Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Semaphore Uncut, a podcast for developers about building great products. In this new episode, Darko, the podcast host, welcomes head of engineering Florence Chabonois. Florence shares her insights on creating a diverse and inclusive work environment in the tech industry. I hope you enjoy this new episode. Now let's dive in. Hi, Florence Chabonois. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you please just go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, Darko. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm the head of engineering of the transversal teams in Scaleway. So we are a cloud provider. And I used to be a deputy CTO at La Centrale, which is a website for selling and buying cars. And uh, I used to be a developer before. Great. Thank you. For our listeners that might not be familiar with the Scaleway, can you give us on the on the high level what you guys do and what, what, what are your goals? Sure. Our goal is to be the cloud provider uh, in Europe. So uh, we are offering three different regions. Um, we have uh, data, data centers. We are also providing different resources like uh, Redis, serverless. So all the standards product that you can find on the cloud. We just released IAM, which I'm very, very, very proud of. And we have uh, bare metal services as well. Thanks for sharing that. You have relatively recently joined as a, as a head of engineering. Can you give us on the, on the high level what are your goals and what you're working on? The goal is to have engineering deliver value as soon as possible in high quality. So I think it's pretty much uh, the same goal for every company. Uh, so far, l- lately, we reorganized ourselves uh, so that the front-end developers could be more part of the product teams and the designers as well, and the document documentation team as well. And the idea is to be able to release often and even more products for the next months. At Semaphore, we're all about helping startups and growing businesses achieve their goals. We're introducing the startup and scale-up plans, which come with a per-seat fee, ensuring that we continue providing the additional value that our users expect. These plans come packed with several new features that were previously only available on our enterprise plan, such as new machines with faster CPUs and double the RAM and disk space, self-hosted agents for easy auto-scaling and complete control, metrics and insights for improved build performance over time, streamline releases with powerful deployment controls, and much more. Head over to semaphoreci.com slash pricing for more information and happy building. How is it going so far? Any learnings you can share with us? The thing is we are hyperscaling at the same time. Any change is uh, difficult. So we have some success and some teams where it's uh, more difficult. And it's hard to change our habits because we get a really competent in what we have ever always done. So it's faster to just uh, ping a friend instead of trying a new process to make a Jira and to have new meetings. So I'm quite confident that um, it will get better and we have very good feedback from people, from teams. Uh, yet about the time to market, we're not, uh, it's really better, but we're not quite where I want us to be yet. In that process, I assume you're at the same time reorganizing the old teams that, you know, people that have been at Scaleway for a while, but also hiring new team members. How is it going in terms of like adjusting the people that have been around for a while versus introducing new people and that mixture? We have uh, many newcomers, right? So it's, I think it's more easy for people who just join because it's all, it's something that they will know. Well, they won't be able to know what was there before and they don't have any habit to change. But uh, it's 
still great because uh, we have changed many times our organization and it's good to know the history about what worked and it's also what helped us uh, deliver a lot of things at the time when we were smaller. So um, the advantage is that it helped us have different point of view. I don't know if it was really your question, was it? Yeah, yeah. In terms of building the team that can, you know, get to that destination, I assume that you are managing uh, team leads and, you know, project product managers. Am I? Uh, not really. I'm managing 40 people, but it's uh, mainly developers, backend and frontend developers and engineering managers. And the product part with product managers are depending on someone else and the CPO. And that's also something that uh, we are working on about alignment. If we are not clear about uh, the company objectives and if we are not aligned uh, in the middle management about what we want to achieve and the how. And we also want people, teams to be able to decide about how we can achieve our goals. Then it will be difficult for everyone to succeed. So uh, we have to communicate again and again and again and to give each other a lot of feedbacks to make, to make sure that we are always aligned. As you said, we have to communicate a lot. One thing that I missed for a long time is um, repeating yourself is not a bad thing at all. <laughs> you know, saying something once, especially it's about the culture, you know, and the way we work and so on. That's something that we all easily forget and we all need to be reminded and remind ourselves and remind others. Just something that crossed my mind in that area of like communication. Yeah, you're right. I heard that we have to repeat something at least uh, three times so that maybe it will be hard once. And it was such a haha moment for me because it was before I was like, I already said that. <laughs> and I'm repeating myself and I, I thought it was annoying, but um, it's not. <laughs> it's really necessary, yeah. I wanted to ask, in relative, you said that you are managing a number of project managers and probably expanding the team. When you are interviewing, you know, ex expanding your team, what are you focusing on during your, your interviews as you're trying to pick a team of people that you will work together with? I used to focus a lot on technical skills, like literally for decades. It was... Uh, Is it someone who can code in an efficient way? Will it be fun to work with him or her? And that's it. Now I'm paying more attention about on soft skills, about the fact that you're a good teammate and that there's no toxic people, even if technical skills are important. But I'm not putting that on the top of my list anymore because we have so many languages now. As you said, it's still the same old stuff. And yet so many things are changing. There's, it's like there's a new framework every month on JavaScript. So it's more about the ability to learn things that is important and to change, to adapt, than the fact that you know the language by heart. And I think that you can learn hard skills. It's easier, I think, than to learn soft skills. Now I'm always asking questions about what would you do to make sure that uh, everyone feels safe and doesn't have to lie about themselves, um, that they can be authentic. So there's many reasons for that. The first is that well, it's a job where we work. We spend most of our time here. So it's really important to be happy uh, during these hours where we are away, where you're far from you, your family, even if there's a lot of remote work now. The second reason is about diversity. Today's world, there's some things that are okay and some things are, are getting worse, I think. Having each individual coming fully and being authentic and being 
having keeping his or her whole personality as um, someone who is handicapped, uh, a woman if we are in IT who is uh, homosexual or trans, it's really something that we should uh, cherish and honor. Or if you're from a different country, because it's a potential clients, it's about how we include and how we develop tools for everyone instead of always the same category of people. So we have a responsibility for that and it's easier when you're one of them and not hiding this uh, from people so that we can take advantage of that. Yeah, and I wanted to ask in that realm, you worked in a you know couple of companies during your career and there is that a company culture which is on the, on the kind of on the level of organization that goes through through all the teams but there are also the individual departments individual teams you know like team of like around five people and they can over time build a certain culture for themselves but there is that also that wider group so i'm interested to hear what's your opinion on that you know culture being present on the company as a whole versus that micro culture to say that can exist within the team and those from my experience can vary they can vary but i don't think they can really be opposite to each other because it's really counterproductive. For example, in Scaleway, we are very uh, attached uh, to sustainability. If there's a micro group who doesn't care at all, well, I think it can still work, actually. <laughs> but um, it's easier and more efficient to be aligned uh, in the in the culture. And it depends on how strong the opinions are about something. But for example, okay, another example. <laughs> we are quite a diverse company. So there's over 30 nationalities, I think, in Scaleway. So if you're a racist uh, in your micro group, I think it, you will have a hard time working because you will have to work with many different people and we are not speaking the same language, understanding the same thing, laughing at the same jokes. So in the long run, I think um, it doesn't really work to have a two different culture, microculture. Yeah, I agree. And in this realm of... Um there are many things like accommodating, you know, different opinions and, you know, the also a big thing that I have found that, you know, just what age are the people are within the group. There are generational differences that you have to bridge, which is uh, not always easy, but with all the differences, it's, it's all doable. So if you think about these topics that you have mentioned, if you would give advice to yourself maybe 10 years ago or, you know, at some other point in your career, what would you say are the some hints? how to make sure that all of these things that you mentioned that are important and, you know, you care for to just be better at those and, you know, support the team. I think that the solution that always works is one-on-ones because it's really during one-on-ones where you can have... I'm not talking about one-on-ones for managers. I mean, just two people talking. Uh, I think it's not really the same discussion as when there's 10 people. And it's where you can have opportunity to know people better about what's important for them. Microservices architecture is all the rage these days. But do you know what it really means and how to implement it to empower your teams to make the best decision for the problem at hand? On the Semaphore blog, you can learn about microservices and how to take advantage of features like test reports, on a repo, and Docker support to build, test, and deploy your microservice application at scale. Head over to semaphoreci.com slash blog for more information. And happy reading. 
for many years we have we have been a company which you know was in the kind of single office floor and and, and all of that but somewhere maybe from 2015 or so we started transitioning to being a remote just having access to you know a wider pool of talent from different continents and culture and it all just became you know also much more interesting but that water cooler, that those casual bumps in the you know hallway, or where you can start a conversation or have a lunch together, are not 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 there anymore. There is an app that we use in Slack, which is called Donut, which just organizes random meetings of one-on-one or one-to-many people and so on. But in terms of that culture, tying people together, understanding each other, what are your opinions on remote versus being in office and bridging that? In Scaleway, we we have a full remote policy. And at the same time, there are so many people going to the office every day. I think that uh, it's hard to have a culture remotely, uh, but we have a policy where we invite people to see each other once a month at least so that we can do different work and have fun together and get to know each other uh, so that helps as you said the donut or coffee connection or um, there's a tool gather there's many tools who are supposed to help us connect online it never really worked uh, for me and for my teams at some point you just want to see something else than two dimension things all day i'm an audio person so I used to do one-on-ones um, by walking. And it was funny because the connection when I walk and talk to people on one-on-ones during the COVID developed a new different link to people because I was even more focused and my body was moving. So I guess we have to really think outside the box instead of taking things that we know and work. We are ashamed of our differences somehow we're not proud of them at least not proud enough to talk about it and if we did maybe the product that we are developing would be more accessible about the way we can see things and maybe we could get more clients so it was just a feedback loop about what uh, i said earlier and the advantage yeah. of diversity. And that ties into something that we mentioned earlier about that um, emotional safety. And you mentioned feedback loop and we are all in feedback loops, but more of like, is the app working or not? We want to get the feedback loop fast, but there are those feedback loops of like, I'm going to express my thought on a certain feature, how something in IM that you just mentioned should work or function, how I build about something. And then there is that element, if I'm going to be, you know, shut down or shut off in a certain way, then next time I'm going to be not that open to sharing that. And uh, within engineering teams and such, um, what are some ways that, you know, we can help, you know, project managers and, you know, everyone in the team to establish that emotional safety is something which is, you know, considered throughout the work and pay attention to maybe uh, hints for people in that area. I think any feedback is really a gift because it takes courage uh, depending on who you are and if you're a minority or not. But anyway, it's always a gift because it's a, a risk that is taken to change something that is not okay for the person expressing it. Some people are totally okay with feedbacks and they're pushing feedbacks all day long and it's great and it's okay. We just have to pay attention to also be able to hear other people's uh, feedback. So I think the first thing is really to acknowledge that, to be grateful and to make it clear that um, we appreciate it. Then it's not enough 
enough to just say, okay, thank you and move on. <laughs> we also have to consider it. So I think that if we have a process that can help that, it can be useful, but it's still not enough. It's just, it's really um, a culture. We can feel that this discussion is open and any feedbacks is welcome. And I think there's many ways to do that. But um, being thankful, I think it's the first step. And the second step is to give feedback uh, as well. <laughs> Because if uh, you're just asking for feedbacks and not giving any, well, it doesn't seem fair and it's not, yeah, we won't believe it anyway. There is that element of like being a project manager and being bossy. I'm now going to order people what they should be doing and I'm the one to, you know, drive that. And uh, what have been, we have been trying really hard is to, you know, put it in such a way there is a team which is, you know, uh, building something, making a product. And if you are a project manager, your job is to help them as much as you can, whatever they, you know, need. If it's making a coffee, then it's making a coffee for them because they are, you know, staying late. And um, I cannot speak broadly about how is it overall in the industry, but I have seen that um, that's the area with, which needed some attention to, you know, get into people's head that, you know, if you're a project manager, you should really be, you know, helping people. And it's not about chasing them around and, hunt, you know, hitting them with a whip to do something. <laughs> it should be the other way around. How can I help you? Yeah, uh, I used to have uh, this point of view about I want us to be a team whole. So sometimes sometimes I will do the coffee and sometimes it's someone else. And we have to be all able to help each other. And for me, my goal is uh, really to give direction and you right to help my team feel comfortable and be efficient and focus on our goals. But now I think it's to help making decisions, uh, actually, which is what they've they have been the most asking for, asking for the most. Yeah. I don't know if you have uh, any thought about that. What I had a little success dealing with is that, you know, there are people in the team who are maybe just can be also shy or not comfortable with, and then there, there are like allowed people within the team and there is a quiet group in the team. And really encouraging that those, you know, quiet people to speak up and share their views also and to be kind of more even with that collective, you know, decision making discussion process, you know, arguments and so on. Yeah. Even on that, I think that uh, some people just won't be loud ever. <laughs> uh, so it's not really about, uh, it can be about being loud, but it's about uh, being heard. Yeah. So maybe it's, we have to find other ways to hear them. So maybe it's. Uh, having the possibility to give opinions on Slack uh, in a written way or in a documentation or on one-on-ones and then we will um, repeat the content. Um, but yeah, there's not one model to contribute. Lastly, I wanted to ask you for some pointers for the people who are maybe in the engineering but are moving towards our roles as a project manager or maybe you know head of engineering in that realm. Books are helpful. I liked uh, Radical Candor. But I think it's because I'm a woman that I like it a lot because I was a bit, not confused, but struggling about being too hard about giving direction and uh, being nice uh, as if being nice and listening to people was a bad thing. I was afraid of being reproached to be too soft when I truly care about what people thought. So this book helped me have a theory about it's okay and we can care and be um, factual anyway. But it wouldn't really be my biggest advice, I think. My biggest advice would be to belong to a network and to have peers to exchange with. It's better if you know someone who already 
has the job that you want mm -hmm. so that you can know if it's something that you really want because it can be quite frustrating to be um, a manager as well. Uh, you have more, well, you have less direct impact and more human things to deal with. Thank you so much. Good luck with your next steps within, within the Scaleway and thank you again. Thank you a lot. What a great conversation. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. Make sure to subscribe to Semaphore Uncut on your podcast player of choice so that you don't miss our new episodes. And stay tuned. 